Hi, producer Jane here. Before we start this episode, we wanted to give you a trigger warning of mentions of sexual assault and discussion of consensual non-consent in romance. If that's something you're uncomfortable hearing, please feel free to skip this episode. We'll see you next time. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Romance at a Glance, Authors at a Glance. Today, we are talking to Golden Angel. She is a USA Today bestselling author, top Amazon 50 selling author, and her books are so fun and definitely have a kinky bent. So definitely very steamy, and it was so, so, so great to talk to her. I was really excited because we found her on TikTok, and I loved that not only was she promoting her own books, but also she was giving author tips called Just the Tip, which uh, you guys know I love a pun, and was sharing all the knowledge that she had learned through being an author for the last 10, 15 years. So it is amazing that she has built such a great amount of, you know, back catalog of books and also fans, and also that she's giving back. So this author interview is super great for anyone who's interested in writing, interested in indie, you know, marketing and how to use TikTok and how to do that stuff. But also just we talked a lot about our favorite kinky stories and um, why it's so important for her to showcase different kinds of relationships. So without further ado, I think it's time to get this shit popping, y'all. Oh, let's go. Romance at a glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a glance. What'd you say now? Romance. Add a glance. Go ahead, girl. You guys, I'm here with Angel. And as you guys know, I'm super excited because I discovered her on TikTok. And I was happy to see someone who is not only like doing a great job marketing their own books, but giving back to the community and like giving all these great tips for authors. Um, and of course, you guys know we like the kinky stuff on our podcast. And so I was very excited to see that she had like historicals with kink for Shawnee and, and all kinds of goodness. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I was excited. I saw on one of your previous podcasts that Shawnee loves historical romance. So I was like, oh, good, yeah. perfect. <laughs> She's a huge fan. Unfortunately, she couldn't be here today, but she is a massive historical fan. That was kind of her first love. And also... Uh, like kind of co- like coinciding with this podcast, although not because of it, she's been going on her own kink journey. So she's like, yeah. when we started the podcast, she had just started taking kink classes and she's talked about it on the podcast. And as we've read different books, she's talked about, you know, oh, like I saw my kink class or, oh, I tried that out with my <laughs> So it's been a really fun, it's been a, kind of like a really fun journey for us and our listeners to kind of go on throughout the podcast. Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. Like, I feel like one of the things I liked about your books and just in general, you is that you really write from a place of like understanding the kinky dynamics and the dom dynamics. We've read a couple of books where I'm like, Ooh, that feels real problematic. Ooh. Yeah. And then we've and read somewhere. I, I, I definitely think there's like a space, like I, I love reading problematic books and I've definitely yeah. written a few, um, yeah. but you know, I think there's a space for that. I know with my contemporaries, I really do. One of the things that I wanted to do with it was to um, write it for the people that I knew in the community, because I felt like there were a lot of billionaires and there, you know, like a lot of people who are working through some psychological uh, or trauma or issues. And while that's, I I do believe that's present in the community, it's Mm -hmm. like, such a small percentage of the real life community. And then it's such a large percentage of the books that are Mm -hmm. available about kink. And I was like, well, Mm -hmm. I want to write for the people that I know and Mm -hmm. for the things that I've experienced or seen or talked with them about. Um, And, and so that was kind of where I was coming from with my, 
contemporaries. And then with my historicals, I'm like, all right, let's do some problematic stuff. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's how I feel too about if it's historical, historical, I told Shani before we started the podcast, I really had only read, read like maybe one or two in my whole life because <laughs> I definitely come from more of like a fantasy sci-fi mm-hmm. background of reading. Yeah. And that was but, what I grew but, up on. <laughs> yeah, but I realized that historical fulfills the same need for me, which is that it's other. It's not real yeah. life. It's because it's because even though it is historical and and some authors are really good at rooting it in fact and some authors are like whatever I don't care it's just like in the time period <laughs> it for me I'm like oh it doesn't matter it's all it's all pretend because it's mm-hmm. not like current day life yeah and so it fulfills that like oh problematic oh he kidnapped her well of course he kidnapped her he, she's the love of his life what was he gonna do <laughs> obviously <laughs> Stockholm syndrome great sign us up great. Sounds awesome. exactly. yeah exactly like you can, I feel like you can get away with so much more with both um historical and then if you in the past and the future like the historical and the aliens mm-hmm. because it's a it's a completely different culture it's a completely different mindset mm-hmm. and you know I mean I you know even when we have authors who are very very into the research and getting all the like tiny things like getting you know, doing, putting a whole bunch of reality from the past into it, it's still a fantasy, you know, like you can't, there's just no way of getting around that because we're still ignoring things like how often they bathed and what they did to cover up their teeth look like, like, you know, For sure. And then and then you also have to deal with the fact that a lot of readers, when you go that deep and you know mm-hmm. you're going to get, I, I see so many of my author friends get so mad. They're like, I spent hours researching this. And then some reader comes along and is like, that's not realistic. And no, it is. Yeah. Um, because you also have to deal with the perception right. of history, which is not actually historical fact. Like so many readers I've seen think like, like you, they wouldn't know that in Victorian times, uh, the wives actually, and this is something that you don't see much of in books, wives actually did get to have orgasms because they believed that an orgasm was necessary for a child mm-hmm. uh, to, to impregnate a woman. Like she had to have an orgasm, which became problematic with things like rape and stuff like that. But like, you know, that's just something in our heads and especially in the books that we read, we kind of tend to think about like, oh, like, you know, the wives were all running around and having lovers because they were unfulfilled in their marriages. And they probably were, but not in that way. (laughs) Yeah, they probably were just because like their husband was in a completely different household across Mm -hmm. the country for like six months a year, eight months a year. And it's hard to maintain a romance when you're yeah, together. The, I mean, the upper yeah. classes weren't really marrying for love. It was so many arranged marriages yeah. and power plays. And, and so they found love outside of marriage, but, um, and I think that's fun to play with too. And then with this, you know, if you have a, the fantasy is kind of the giving the upper classes, the love, because that's not something that was happening very often, but that's what makes it kind of fun to write about is like, this is the special thing. Yeah, and I think the <laughs> rules, like the rules that in, that are real or established by the author, are really fun 
like the rules of like not being able to like touch or go outside with somebody mm-hmm. like, but how they get around all those rules to still see each other to have their little tryst like makes it like feel illicit and exciting like ooh, they snuck into an alcove like what's gonna yeah. happen <laughs> ooh, he took off her glove and, oh like, my god if he had in a contemporary everyone's like who cares he took off her glove yeah. but in a historical yeah. he yeah. took off the glove it's a big deal. It's a big deal. <laughs> i know in contemporary like do you find that the spice level in contemporary has to be higher for someone to consider it like a really steamy book versus in a historical? I've never thought about that, but. I do. So I think it's more that historical romance readers, like any steam, a lot of them are like, oh, it's steamy. Um, yeah. Because they're not, for so long, historical romance was not, period. Right. Um, and, and so when people started getting steam in historical, I know for like the traditional, even the traditional bodice rippers, the first kiss didn't happen until 50% of the way through the book. There might be one actual sex scene and it was towards the end. So when you start putting in two sex scenes, three sex scenes, and they're happening before the 50% mark, historical readers are like, oh, this is, this is not what I expected. This is different. Um, So I don't think it's so much that you have to have more in contemporary um, in order for it to be considered steamy as opposed to historical, as much as it is any steam in historical still kind of has that little bit of illicitness to it, where it's like, oh, that's, that's, that is, that is not what I was expecting. (laughs) And especially if they're not married yet, you know, getting, like you said, like getting around all those social strictures and everything, it really adds to the the kind of taboo of the situation. Whereas in the contemporary, you can have that in like the first few pages and everyone's like, all right, one night stand. Cool. This is an expected thing. Um, Yeah. So I think, I think a lot of it is just about expectations. Um, on the reader's parts for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, when you were setting, cause you've been writing now for six years. Did I make that up? Uh, oh God. Uh, so I'm years? actually, this is my 10 year publishing oh, anniversary. 10. Yeah. I was, I was writing for a website before that since, uh, 2005. Yeah. So when you started writing like, your own books, mm-hmm. do you feel like you, started writing the genre you wanted to read to like fill a gap in what you wanted to read absolutely so (laughs) I was actually I was hanging out with some of my friends this past weekend author friends and I was telling them that I rage wrote birching his bride (laughs) in just an absolute because I'm an avid reader and I'm 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 a fast reader I don't get to read as much as I used to and I miss it but I still I love to read And I read a lot and I, you know, I read, I like to, I have this tendency to read so much that I'll start seeing patterns and tropes that kind of do the same thing over and over again. And I get this urge to break them. Um, (laughs) And it's not that I don't like those tropes or anything. I love them. Authors do a very good job with them. But when I start seeing the same ones over and over again, I start wanting to, to break it and do something completely different with it. Um, And what was killing me were the number of historical, I mean, at the time, I kind of started out writing contemporary. And at that point, I was, I was, you know, writing about normal people, because all the billionaires. And so I'm like, I'm gonna write about normal people. That was me filling that niche. And then with the historicals, I read so many historical romances, where the hero would say, you do that one more time, and I'm gonna put you over my knee. And, and then like, she put her. Does. 
Put her over your knee. Exactly. Right. 100% and then she agree. does it again, and he doesn't. And I'm like, this is unacceptable. <laughs> like, this is just a huge tease. I do not appreciate yes. it. I need some follow through. Yes. Um, and so, and, and yeah, I was finding um, historical erotica where that would happen and a very few historical romances where it would happen. But a lot of, you know, there was Annabelle Joseph and at the time Zoe Blake, although she's moved those books to Sasha Byrne now. But for the most part, they were not, they were either age play erotica or I could get romance. And, and there wasn't a whole, other than Annabelle, um, there wasn't a whole lot of the kind of sweeping Victorian romance, Victorian Regency romance that actually included kink and spanking, mm -hmm. at least not that I could find. And this, I mean, this was back in like 2013. Now there's more, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, at the time I just got so mad because every time I would start to get excited because he's threatening his spanking and then yes. he didn't follow through. And I, so I'd like rage wrote Birching his bride and like, he's going to follow through. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to earn these spankings and he's going to give them to her. Yes. Um, <laughs> and she's going to be bratting in the book and he's going to say he's sending her in her place. That's how I feel about parenting. I tell my, like I have a two and four year old, I tell my friends all that all the time. If they have kids. I'm like, don't make threats that you aren't going to follow through on. Exactly. If you tell that kid they're getting a timeout, then they better get a timeout. Or if you tell them you're going to take their favorite toy or whatever, mm -hmm. you better take it away so that they know like that's a consequence of an action. You can't just like threaten because then your kids are like, oh, right. she'll never do it. Exactly. Um, Last night I was putting my toddler to bed and giving her a bath, you know, giving her a bath. She's licking the side of the tub. And I said, stop mm -hmm. licking the side of the tub or we're getting out. Mm -hmm. She licked it again. Is that all right? Pulled the drain. She's like, no, I'll stop. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's too late. Too late, <laughs> sucker. <laughs> For sure. Yes. Yeah, you gotta you gotta do the follow through. And you know what? In those books, the heroine where he didn't spank her, she never learned her lesson. So no, of course not. <laughs> I just read a book the other day, not in historical, but they had been teasing a really kinky, like, um, and not even kinky so much as like just like a really like explosive like like this is all gonna happen and I was getting towards the end of the book I was like oh it's coming it's gonna happen we're going to pound town like I was ready <laughs> and then the book just ended and I was like what the f like they it's not like they hadn't had sex in the book they had but like they had been like dancing around you know like this certain type and I was like ready I was like oh, okay this is going to be the culmination of the whole right. book like they've gone past the last like hurdle and now they're like kind of like the celebration of them being you know in their HEA and then it just ended and I was so upset oh. I like I was reading my Kindle and I like slammed the cover closed. <laughs> <laughs> away. I was like, how, how dare they? I was so mad. I was like, if I was an author, I'd be rage writing a different ending. I'd be on fanfic on it. This is how this book should have ended. <laughs> oh God. I do. And I do. I feel like that's how I write a lot of my books. Like I'm, I'm working right now. I've been, I'm, I'm started a new book. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday. Um, it's currently Thursday. So I started two days ago and I've been trying to figure out exactly, like I have a general idea of what's going on with the characters, but I've been trying to kind of figure out, I'm, I'm, I like to have at least a, a basic outline when I write. Mm -hmm. Um, and just kind of trying to figure out like, 
okay, like, what is this, what is this book like about? What are we going to be leading up to? What is going, you know, like, what are their kinks? Because I also, I like to give my characters different kinks, you know, Mm -hmm. um, in each book so that I can really explore stuff, which is getting harder. (laughs) I've already Mm -hmm. explored a lot. Um, So it is kind of like, okay, you know, like, where, where are we going to go? And it's, it's all about like wanting to make sure that I do meet the reader expectations if I'm going to build something up that it's in there. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm now remembering what it was. It was reverse harem. Oh. And they'd been teasing that all of them would have sex together because, because they were all like in different pairings. So like there's a lot of male, male action going on and they had like the culmination, but they never all had sex together. So it's supposed to be a big group orgy. Yes. And I was like, where is my group? Sexy um, promise me. Um, yeah. yeah. I would be too. <laughs> so when you're, okay. So I just want to tell people this because I was reading this about you and I thought it was insane. So one year, your goal was to publish a new book every single month. Yes. That How was, does yeah. one accomplish such an audacious goal? Because that seems like a lot of books. It was a lot of books. Um, so that was back, that was the first year that I had realized maybe this author thing could become an actual career. I was looking at my numbers and I was looking at my income and I went, I might be able to do this. And at that time, I didn't have my daughter yet. And I went, okay, can I put out a book a month? Um, I did not make that, by the way. I had, I, I, I wrote 10 books. I, I released 10 books that year. Part of it was that one of the books had already been written. <laughs> okay. um, and so it was, so like that one came out in January, but it had been written sure. the previous year. And then I also, two of the books that I released, or it might have been three, three of the bo- books that I released that year were novellas. And one of them had previously been published in an anthology. So it was done. And so I just released it as a novella. The other two were also novellas. Although <laughs> I should say, when I say novella, that means something different to every author. I write long. Um, and so my my novellas tend to be... Um, if they're not, if if they were previously published in an anthology, those usually have word limits. If it's me saying, "Oh, I wrote a novella," it's about forty thousand words long, which is longer than some people's full length books. Yeah, I was gonna say that's pretty long because, like, <laughs> I feel like sixty thousand, fifty, sixty thousand is like a yeah, so, like a fairly standard romance novel. Yeah, yeah, it is, and I tend, I'm, I'm trying to get myself down to around that. My, my recent series, the uh, Dungeons and Doms, which is my later in life series, those are all around sixty thousand words, and those are, those were hard because they were short for me. Uh, most of my other ones, um, like my current Deception and Discipline, which is my current historical series, and the Masters of Marquis, I'm aiming for 80,000. And those are kind of my two big main series. But my older series, like Bridal Discipline series, the uh, Stronghold Dom series, most of those books are 90,000 plus. And mostly plus. I got, I think I got like one of them down to close to 90,000. And when I released my new book that's coming out next week, The Duke's Pursuit, that one is more like traditional. I managed to get that one around, I think it's about uh, 50,000. Um, but the the one that I had before that had actually been, I, I published 
um, marriage training with Cleese Press. And that one, they had actually found me on the website that I used to write for. And there was a story there and they were like, oh, we love this. Can we, you know, we want to turn it into a book. You have to cut it down because <laughs> I mean, it was a serial on a website. It was like over 200,000 words uh, and they one needed me to cut it down to 90,000, which I learned a lot from doing that, I will say. And it was one of my earlier work. So there was a lot of stuff that was, I mean, it, you know, in, in book terms, it was bloated. The pacing was slow. So uh, you know, just, just doing that taught me a lot. But yeah, it is, it is interesting working with a publisher where they're like, they give me the word count versus when I'm doing it on my own. And I'm just kind of like, well, I'm going to aim for 80,000. But if it goes <laughs> over, I guess that's fine. <laughs> Do you work with the same like editor now all the time so that you can like keep the, you know, sort of tone consistent? Yeah. So I have, I am very lucky. I have a small team of alpha readers. Um, I have discovered there are some writers who they, they have to kind of keep it secret. The moment they tell someone about something, they lose that they lose the muse. Mm-hmm. I am one of those people where the more I talk about what I'm working on, the more excited I get about it. And so I'm very lucky. I have a team of about five women who let me send a chapter every day to like as I finish. So sometimes they get two chapters a day, sometimes they get none, but they usually get at least one. Mm-hmm. And so they go through it and they do consistency, like let me know if they think they're like and one of them last year she's like I'm so sorry I think the opening is boring and she was right so I went back and I fixed it and so I have them and they they really they know my work better than I do I can always go and be like hey did I do such and such or hey did I say what so-and-so's last name is or is this consistent with the previous book and they're always and and they can tell me and then I also do have the the editor I've been working with for the past couple of years is the same as well too, which, and I do, I think that that is important as having someone who knows your work being, because if, you know, if you switch around, especially in a series where there are continuing storylines, mm-hmm. an editor might not catch a consistency issue if they hadn't read the previous books. And if they haven't edited the previous books, you can't really ask them to read them without compensating them for that. Right. So. You know, if you find someone you can work well with and that you think does a good job, I mean, hold on to them. <laughs> yeah. It kind of brings me to like, how did you get into giving author tips? Because I feel like your TikTok is like almost now at this point, it seems like it's like half your books and half like yeah. giving advice. So um, a few, I mean, a few things, which is that when I, so I started self-publishing in 2012 I did not consider myself a real author. I did not take it seriously. It was some readers had asked me who who read me on the website, asked me to publish one of their favorite stories. They said, we love this. If this website ever gets taken down, I would be devastated. Can you publish this as a book so I can own it? And I said, you know, it's 2012. I'm like, okay, well, let me look into this, see how easy this is. It turned out self-publishing was pretty easy. So I put it up with no editing and a terrible (laughs) self-made cover. And because it was 2012 and I had an established reader fan base, it sold. And so over the years, I did slowly uh, start to, it was, it's actually my main alpha reader now. She was very influential in like, hey, you need to be on Facebook. There's all these authors and readers on Facebook. You need to be on Facebook. You need to put together a newsletter. You need a Facebook group. And she helped me with all of it. And I, again, I didn't really consider myself a real author at that point. And so, 
I, I, I was like, oh, okay, okay, I guess I can do that. I can do that if you think it's a good idea. And she's like, I do. You need to get on. <laughs> she's kind of like my like publishing dom. And so by the time I came on, really came on to like Facebook and started meeting other authors, it was like 2015. My covers had improved because I'd had a graphic designer offer to help me. And I got just an insane amount of support and help and just welcome from the community who they, you know, I would say, oh, you know, they, they, they would just, they would advise me, you know, they would advise me. I would ask questions. They would tell me the answer. Nobody ever held anything back. Um, and I was invited to these author groups on Facebook where people were answering questions that, you know, newer authors, more experienced authors, anybody could ask any type of question and people would answer. Um, and just the level of support and community that I saw and that I received was life-changing for me. Um, I literally would not be where I am today without it. And so I've, since then, as I've gotten better and better at what I'm doing and I've been learning more and I became full-time and kind of, and, and at the time I, because I was so out of touch with the community for the first three years, a few years of my career where I was just excited anything was selling. It didn't matter how much, it didn't matter the money I was making. I mean, it was great that it was there, but I didn't I did not realize that it, it how difficult it can be to make money. Um partly because again, in some ways not feeling like I was a real author I think did help me because I didn't have the mentality of I need to make money from this. I need to, you know, like oh God, this release was terrible. Um, I, I had no idea how to judge it. I had nothing to compare it to, but that does mean that when I can't kind of came onto the scene, I had all these books already written. I had all these books to play with, with marketing. And I, I what I really just needed to do was actually put my books in front of people. Right. Um, and they started selling even more than they had been because I was for the first time actually putting myself out there. And so as I, as I, you know, have, have gone on. It's, it's, I've found myself kind of slowly moving from being the person who's receiving advice to being the person who's able to give some. And I've been doing it on, you know, like I do it in the Facebook groups. I see someone asking a question. I step in. Um, I, I go to IngressCon every year for the past few years. And during the roundtables, there have been a few times where I've shown up going, okay, awesome. I'm going to learn about such and such today. And it turns out that and and some of the some of the Ingress Con roundtables are like that, where the person is coming in because they have some experience and they do it like a presentation. But others are, it, it turns I, I didn't know this at first. It turns out it's a person who's like, hey, I want to know more about this topic, and so I created this roundtable so we can all talk about it. And it, I'm like, oh well, I, I actually do know a lot about this topic. I was just hoping to learn more, and so I kind of ended up being the one speaking um, instead of listening. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. I know more about this than I think I do. I know more about this than apparently a lot of other people do. And so I started just trying to share that. And then I said to one of my friends who's who's newer, she's only been writing for about a year and a half. And I knew her as a reader before she became an author. And she was like, you should, you should do these on TikTok. Like you should put tips up on TikTok. And I was like, well, I do love TikTok and, you know, there is a big community of authors there. I'm like, I don't know if anyone would want to hear what I have to say though. Like, I mean, I'm just, especially on TikTok, there's so many authors. Like I feel like a little tiny person in the sea, but, but then I was like, you know what, if, 
if it helps one person, like maybe these videos will get like 15 views, but maybe it'll help one person in those 15. And if it really helps them, then that's worth it. Um, they don't, I mean, it's not these videos, especially don't take me a ton of time. I just yeah. sit down and talk for the most part. Right. Although I have started doing some of the, you know, where I show how to do things, um, on the computer, but yeah. And, and, and I was not expecting it to blow up the way it did. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I, I think it's kind of, I don't think I'm doing anything special really. Like there's, I feel like there's a lot of really amazing authors who do this on all the different social media platforms. And I, I I seem to have hit a, a spot, um, something about just the tip seems to have hit on something that people do want to listen to, which is great. And I, you know, sometimes I wonder if it's maybe because I'm not quite as you need to do this, this, and this. Um, and I'm more like, well, you can try this, this, and this, because I, I truly don't believe there's a single step-by-step system that will work for everyone. It's just mm-hmm. not, I mean, if it, if there was, that'd be great. Cause then we could all do it, sure. but then everybody could do it. And sure. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, having watched a bunch of your videos, I will say that um, the two things that I like the most are that you are, like, genuinely yourself. I feel like sometimes, like you were saying, like, oh, do I have anything to add or value or whatever? I feel like sometimes we can all get in our heads and like be like, oh, well, it has to be the perfectly presented and polished thing. And so I appreciate that you're like, hey, this is me. I'm writing today, but I'm going to tell you this quick tip. And also um that you're just like funny and engaging and like <laughs> and tell and you know and like tell like the honest stories of of what you know you're going through as an author and what you have gone through and um i thought something you said was really interesting that that it really helped at the beginning when you were making your first few books that you didn't take it seriously because you didn't look at the numbers and worry you just kept writing and i feel like that's like the best advice that you could give anyone which is <laughs> like just keep making it just keep creating content because by the time you have a back I tell people this I do a lot of YouTube consulting and I tell people this all the time like if you want to be a famous YouTuber or even just have a successful niche mm-hmm. whatever that number is for you you know like the people who have millions of followers a very 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 few of them only have like one video like yeah. the rock can go on YouTube and have one video right. and have a million views because he's the rock he has yeah. an already has an established audience everyone else needs to have hundreds of videos like these creators that have been doing it for 10 years they have thousands of videos and people watch a little bit of every video every day everywhere in the world um so that's why i tell people i'm like just keep on going make consistent content make great content make interesting content add value and you know the people will will come exactly like yes it has to be good it has to you you know you need to write good books that people want to read but if you only write one or two of them and then you're like, why aren't I selling? It's because you only have one or two books. Like, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, we hate to think about it, but yeah, you know, readers do look at that. Like I look at that. If I go, this is probably my naughty, my naughty TikTok confession, book talk confession. <laughs> if I go and I see a book that looks interesting and I go check out the author and that's their only book. I usually don't buy it right away. I put it on my wish list, especially sure. if I see it in a series. Um, and you know, and, and, and I've tried to get better about that because I do know that it is hard for authors to, but you know, me doing that. Okay. Like one person is now buying instead of putting it on their wish list. Mm -hmm. Like you, you still have to address the reality that 
most people want to see more. They want to see, especially, oh my God, especially now that in like today's world where people just want to binge. Yeah. That's, and I, and I do think it's, I will say this. I do think it's a little different between wide and KU. I think this is one of the many places where they differ in that KU readers are more likely to wait for us, us, uh, you know, uh, more books because they are, they, they are binge readers. That's why they're, you know, that's why they do KU is because they are binge readers. Whereas wide, it tends to be a little bit more like, well, I'll buy this book. And if it's good, I'll keep an eye out for the next one because they don't, while they like to be able to binge, it's not the, it's not, it's just one of those ways in which the readership is just that little bit different. And you're used to like, you know, going back to my child, I was used to like my favorite author only publishing one or two books a year. Right. Very normal. Or maybe even every other year, God forbid. Um, and I so still, I still rage about George R.R. R. Martin. I started reading him when I was 13. Yeah. The TV show came out when I was in my early 30s, and my friends are like, watch the TV show with us. And I was like, nope. I started reading this story when I was 13. I had been waiting over. 20 years to find yeah. out the ending. If they get to the final season, I will watch the final season with you guys, but yeah. I am not investing any more years of my life in this yeah. until I know it's going to end. <laughs> That's how I felt about Wheel of Time. Oh my uh, God. Because we, oh, yes. we started that also as like young, you know, late grade school. And then mm-hmm. it was like a book every year. And then when he got sick, it was like a book every other year. Like, and then oh, when he no, no. when he I, passed, I was like, oh, but. And then thankfully, like the series was popular enough that yeah. you know Brandon Sanderson right. can finish. But yeah. that was that was a real hard presentation. Also, do you, I don't know if you read Laurel K. Hamilton, but oh, yes. Um, have you read the Mary Gentry series? Oh yeah, I loved that. I, I loved, loved it too, and it's not finished. And I'm like, I've been waiting decades now for you to just write what you just just one more that's it we just need to just put a pin in it just put a pin in it I thought that was a great series I was just telling my co-host that she should um oh it's so much fun but I I don't want to start it on the podcast because it's not finished and that's a tough like you know that's hard to she's I actually met her at um Dragon Con oh my god like about 10 years ago I think it was back in 2012. Um, I met her at Dragon Con. She was there to do a signing and she was just the nice, you could tell she was so tired, but she was nice. And there was a girl in front of me who was cosplaying as Anita Blake. And (gasps) amazing. Yeah. So to get to see her walk up and actually see Laurel K. Hamilton's face just light up when she realized, like, that was such a cool moment. I I don't think people realize, like, how much, like, little things like that mean to authors. Like, someone dress up as one of your characters or the fan art and stuff like that. Those are goals. (laughs) Yeah. Even just, like, a a nice review of, Mm -hmm. like, hey... It could be one line. I love this podcast. I love this video. I love this book. And you're like, squee! <laughs> or like, we'll have, I, I'm sure you get like DMs all the time. We get like DM, the nicest DMs. Like, the pandemic's been so hard and I love listening to your podcast. It makes me so happy. And I'm like, <laughs> don't make me ugly cry in my office right now. How dare you? Come be our friend. I know. And my like, when they're like, I'm sure you're tired of hearing this. I'm like, no, I'm, like, I'm not. I'm no, not. I'm never. Not. Why do you think I write these books <laughs> for people to tell me that I'm they like what I'm writing? Hello. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Um, <laughs> have you had anyone dress up and cosplay any of your characters instead of you? Um, no, I have had some fan art done for a few of my characters, and that was really cool. That made my day. Um, and I've had a few people contact me. Oh, I'm still so bitter about this. Someone contacted me. She emailed me. This was the, I thought, ugh, I was so excited about this. She emailed me from the website that I used to write on. And she was like, you have this story. She names the story and it's amazing. And I, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I just, I have this urge. I want to write that story, but as a, um, the oh star as like a Star Wars fanfic with Ray and Kylo okay. Ren. Okay. And and like and I'm like, and she's like, I just I want to make sure it's okay with you. And this is probably stupid, but and I immediately wrote her back and I'm like, oh my God, this sounds amazing. Please do it. Let me know when you put like 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 send me like send me the thing. And yeah. then the next email I get from her, she's like, I saw that you wrote me back, but I was too scared to even open it. And I'm so sorry for bothering you and blah blah blah. And I, I wrote her back like mm. like please open this. Um, like in capital letters and like just being in like, you know, please do this. This is like, yes, do it, please. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I never heard back from her and I just was so sad. I, I was like, guys, don't be like, I think she was too scared to even open yeah. the email that I sent her, which made me really, really sad. Cause I was like, I would have read the heck out of that. I'm a total yeah. nerd. That would yeah. have made my life um someone wants to write a fanfic and put of my stuff and put star wars in it like yes please give it to <laughs> we have a giant star wars rug in our hallway our entry hallway it's awesome it's ruggable and it's yeah it's just like one of the shifts it's it's great and then my husband goes i just got served an ad that they're doing marvel ruggables so it looks like you oh. went too soon and i was like oh we have more rooms in our house baby <laughs> i was like oh we can put more in there <laughs> Yeah. I'm still trying I'm still trying to convince my husband to let me get a nerd one of the the ruggable uh ones to put in but the, the problem is he says he doesn't like the patterns and I'm I mean we're both we're both massive nerds like we we call our house Nerdenheim um <laughs> and uh his our shed at the old house we don't have a shed at this one but he's got a garage so we'll probably just call it that but that was a dude's guard and uh we've got i mean we have nerd art up everywhere so i'm just like why can't we have some nerd rugs <laughs> um i will send you a picture uh to your email after this and then you can show it to your husband and show him that it looks really cool it looks good once it's in <laughs> yeah they do look it's different when you just see the picture you're like well i don't know but it looks really cool on the floor so I highly recommend it. Also, we have people come in and they like walk on it and they're like, wait a minute. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. That's right. That's, and that's the kind of stuff that I love where it's not like in your face, but yeah. you looked up at it and you're like, wait a second. Wait like. a second. <laughs> is this rug R2D2? And you're like, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, my God. So Perfect. great. I just also like, I feel like, and this could just be like, me saying this but I feel like nerdy people make the best creators and and authors and stuff because I feel like the more passionate you are about something and the more you love something the more that like reflects in your writing and your creativity oh yeah so, like the fact that you like love to read these type of books um sometimes I feel like we've read a couple books from an author and oh we've read their other series and their other series was great and they write this new series and we're like okay we'll review it and we're like wait a minute this book was not the business 
Mm. And a lot of times I think it's because they were maybe writing for the market versus what they love or they were like, I'm not really sure, but. And you know, there's absolutely a way because I I write I write fast. I do write fast, but I have trouble writing in the same world multiple books in a row, which mm-hmm. is why I'm so scattered in my releases. Mm-hmm. Um, which, if anyone's watching this and going, "Oh, well, she's successful and she puts out two books a year in one series that's <laughs> contemporary, and two books a year in another series that's historical," like, don't think that that's a good idea. It's not. I would never recommend anybody do that. I I found out one of my friends was like trying to model herself after me and was going to do that. And I was like, do you, do you have to do that? Or are you just doing it because I do it? Like, could you just write a whole series like back, like one book after another? She's like, yeah. And I was like, then do that. You should do that. That's the better. That is the smarter algorithm way to write. I do not, I do not do what you are supposed to do. And it works for me. But like you said, I feel like it works for me. I mean, it works for me because I'm embracing what I do best, which is jumping around and my head. I need that. I need the time in between books. Like after finishing one book, I need the time to let that kind of simmer in my head for a little bit. And so I write a book in a different series that was simmering in my head while I was writing the book in the other series. But yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know where I was going with that. What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I think we were just talking about writing what you're passionate about versus. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, I very much, it's, it's, I, I need the time. Like, and I think I was telling you this earlier. I need the time, like the, the book that I'm working on right now, trying to figure out what it's about, what message is going to be in it. And I, I have found that even when I don't think there's going to be a message, there's always a message. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I've tried, I, I kind of try to figure out what that message is before now. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. So, and, and I do, and that's how I write to market. That's how I do it because I write so slow with just it. Like I write fast, but I write, I release slow in the series. So like I am currently on book three of a nine book series. This series is going to take me five years to write because I only release two books a year in it. And so writing to market could be very difficult. But what I do is like, as I'm getting into each book, I'm like, what is, you know, what is a message that I really want to work on right now? And I know that in this upcoming book, uh, one of the things that I'm going to be doing is having the submissives have a body hair revolution. Because right now, I am super ticked about all the misogynistic a-holes that I see on TikTok. And fortunately, I don't see their TikToks, but I see the responses to them mm-hmm. where they're all talking. I mean, it's a bunch of loser dudes talking about what they think women should do. And it's like, dude, none of you deserve a woman. <laughs> and they're, you know, talking about like, oh, body hair is gross. It's like, is yours gross? Are you a yeah. human being? Uh, like, yeah. And and so my reaction to this is to put it in a book and the submissives are going to have a body hair revolution because so many, including mine, my, including mine, because I I don't know, because everyone does it and I prefer to be shaved. So all of 90% of my submissives previously have been, sh- you know, shaved all over mm-hmm. except for their heads. And now I'm like, no, we're going to have a body hair revolution. We're going to, we're going to do a thing where the submissives are going to be like, screw this. I'm coming to the kink club and I will not be shaved. I yeah. will, you know, we're going to grow some hair and we're going to have a, a Chad who's like, 
Al, I, I don't want to be with any of the subs that have body hair. And they're going to be like, cool. Thanks for telling on yourself, bro. Nobody yeah. wants to be with you now. Yes. <laughs> and I so love that. Of, right. Like you don't, you don't have to plan to write to market. You can like, that is something I'm passionate about. And I don't know if that's really writing to market, but it's, it's writing about something that's relevant to today that wasn't right. relative a year ago, might not be relative anymore next year, but I'm putting it in there. And I think that you can do that with market. Like you keep your books, keep what you're passionate about and then go, okay, well, what is popular in the market right now? And is that something that I have something to say about? Yeah. You know, I know one of my friends, her, she writes werewolves. That's what she writes. But she really enjoyed the bully genre when it came out. Like she was like, this is hot. Because she'd always done a little bit. She she really liked enemies to lovers. And bully romance is really just like extreme enemies to lovers. Right. And she was like, I want to write this, but I'm writing werewolves. So what did she do? She wrote a book about a bully werewolf. Yeah. Um, and that book exploded because it was in the middle of the bully market. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, what book is this? This sounds like it's right up my alley. I love yeah, werewolves. So I, love uh, I think it's called, I think it's literally called Alpha Bully by Renee Rose. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, you know, it's, I think it really is like people talk about writing in the market and they, they put all this pressure on themselves. And that's what I'm noticing more and more. And that I think that that was another reason why I wanted to start my TikTok channel is because I was like, I do have something to say about this. And the pressure that I see, especially newer authors putting on themselves now, mm-hmm. and and the expectations that I see them putting on themselves, it I mean, it honestly, it breaks my heart because it's like, yeah, uh, so many of them compare themselves to authors who have been doing this for so much longer. Ever. Yeah. You know, my friend that I was talking about that she's been writing for a year and a half and she was trying to figure out how to make her schedule like my schedule. And she's I mean, she does. She's always like, oh, but everyone else is doing so much better than me. And I'm like, no, you need to look and compare yourself at the people who have been writing for as long as you. You would not expect someone who is a year and a half, a baby who is a year and a half to be able to do the same things as a 10 year old. And that's what we're talking about right now. I am 10 years. And also you have like what, 45 books or 50 books or something. Uh, You have a huge 70, 70. (laughs) You have a huge, I was like counting on your website and I was like, I got to start. There's, I've got two pen names in between. I've got about 60 on. Oh, because you have 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 other pen names. Yeah. I have an erotica pen name as well. Um, Yeah. It's like, how would you compare? Like you've been writing a year and a half. So you've released five books. You can't compare your success to mine. I have. My, cause like, I think the, like for one of the things I, you, I think you gave a tip on it, but you were talking about how much money you make mm-hmm. and you were talking about how like you make money off every single book, every single month. So like you're not only making money <laughs> off of one book, you're making money off of the whole catalog. Right. And that is absolutely what allowed me to become a full-time author is just yeah. writing until I had about 55 books out. And then it was uh-huh. like, Oh Okay. I mean, and they're good. I mean, good books. They are good yeah. books. It's not just a quantity. Yeah, you thing. have great reviews. And like, I mean, like, I think it's really hard for, I don't know why this is, but I feel like it's really hard for independent authors to maintain like a Goodreads over four a lot <laughs> yeah. of times because I, I don't know why that is. I don't know why it's just like 
they don't get enough reviews. So like one bad review will like right. tank their whole score or like they're writing in a genre and someone's like <laughs> writing a book about doms. And they're like, there's too much sex in this book. One star. And you're like, stop reading. One stars too. It's just I'm that sure. it, this point you have more, enough reviews now that like, right, it you can balance that. But um, yeah, you, I mean, and, again, and again, that's just a time thing, you sure. know, like that's a time thing. It's like over, I looked at it and I was like, oh God, I've got like hundreds of reviews on this book. And I was like, oh, that book's been out for a really long time. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. For sure. You know. it, and going back to the thing about the, you were talking about how like, you'll see an author and be like, oh, you only have one book. I'll come back and check you out later. I feel like sometimes I do that. And it's also because it ta- occasionally it takes me a couple books to really decide if like that author is for mm-hmm. me. So like there's occasionally an author where like I'll read one book and I'm like, well, I'm gonna buy every book this author ever writes. But usually <laughs> I'll read a couple books or mm-hmm. I'll read like maybe they have three main series and I'll read a book in each or a couple books. Right. In each. And but then I'm like, this was kind of, but this series wasn't for me, but that series is my, like for right. me. Okay. Um, so if there's only one book, it's hard for me to then, even if I read that book, cause I'll read it and then I, I'll, but I'll forget because I don't right. have, I haven't read enough of your books to be like attached to really get at the hip to yeah. you. Like I have to read every single book you love. Right. So I definitely think, you know, and I do, right. I love finding those authors like, and that is, it is because, and I have, I will say, I, I try not to check because I know that I'll do that because what I've had happen, what I do have happen is where like I read a book and I love the author and I'm like, I'm going to read every single thing they ever wrote. And then I go and it's the only book they ever wrote. And I'm just I like, Ooh. Ooh. yeah. but then when, you, when you go and there's like 10, 20, 30, four, and it's just like, it's Oh, just feeling. take my wallet. Just let's yeah, do this. Let's the go. <laughs> I'm like, let me go to the public library and let me just go get a whole stack of your books and bring them right? home and have a nice weekend. <laughs> to read these books <laughs> on myself a hundred percent I remember when I was in college I was reading a lot of Suzanne Brockman at the time mm-hmm. love her and I I think I went to the library and like all the books <laughs> like when I used to go to the library when I was young all the romances were in like the large print section so the yes. books were enormous <laughs> so I had this like humongous stack of books and I'm like teetering back to my dorm yeah, and my friends yeah. and like everyone who saw me like there's all these like shirtless hot dudes on there and I'm like yeah that's right we'll go we'll go read all these books <laughs> oh god I love it yeah that was yeah, I mean, college was when I was making my transition to romance too because I I was reading in middle middle school I got hooked on Tamora Pierce Oh my um, god, I love Tamora Pierce so much. She's my favorite author. So I cannot wait till my daughter is old enough to read oh her god, books. I know. The coolest right. thing happened to me last year. So one of my readers messages me and she's like, Tamora Pierce is talking about you on her Facebook. And I'm like, what? 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 So I oh, go running. Um, apparently someone had told her that I referenced her books in Entering Strong, well, in, in The Sassy Submissive, which uh-huh. they said Entering Stronghold because that's the first box set. And she's like, I don't know why my books are getting a shout out in a kinky BDSM romance, but okay. And what had happened was that the I'd had the characters bonding over the fact that they both yeah. read her, that they both read Alana Trebon and um, uh, the Lioness Quartet. And yeah. so I was like, oh my God, Tamora Pierce knows. So I just like fangirled the fuck out over her on that yeah. post. And she wrote back to me 
And it had started an interesting discussion too, because she was, uh, someone was like, but there's no kink in her books. And I'm like, oh, come on, Roger and Delia. She's like kneeling by his chair. He tells her she's a good girl and is like patting her on the head. She calls him yes, master. Like, come on, there's kink in these books. It was not sad. And all Tamor Pierce responds, no words, just little devil smiley faces. (laughs) And I was like, this is canon now. This is canon. I'm taking it. I solved it. Okay, I love that you love her. I would literally lose it. I oh, love I, her so much. Like my, my dream. husband can tell you the next week, just random intervals, he would just hear me screaming at the top of my lungs just around the house. Tomorrow Pierce knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> for a week and sometimes I still do it. It's not as it's not like every it's not like every couple hours like it was that first week, but I still do it <laughs> because it's just like the coolest thing that's happened to me, probably. Ever. I I have been like desperately and maybe like with like not a lot of hope in my heart waiting for those books to be made into an epic miniseries or a television yes. show or they movie. Because it's going to happen and then it doesn't. It never happens. I know it's been 25 years. They're like, it's going to be happening soon. And I'm like, it can't be that expensive. Look at all these crazy shows they make. It's like, and okay they're so good. It didn't happen last decade though, because I feel like pre game of Thrones, I'm not yeah. sure it would have been what I want it to be. And now I'm like, but now they can do it right. Yeah, they could do, do it right. And I'm still a little burned by the Sword of Truth uh, TV series. Which one? <laughs> the Sword of Truth TV series. I think they just oh. called it like The Seeker or something. Oh, I, I didn't watch it. It looked terrible. It, it was, It we tried. We tried. And Did you, you watch know, Wheel of Time? I have not yet. It's on my, it's on my to-do. I just don't have, I, I'm so it's, like. I want you to lower expectations. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was so just I've been waiting also for that show for yeah years and the <laughs> well you can watch you watch an episode and tell me what you think but okay. the biggest thing was like I was like after all these wonderful fantasy shows you have Lord of the Rings trilogies mm-hmm. you have which Game I'm super excited about Game yeah. of Thrones had like terror you know had problems and I didn't love the show right. but but like their costumes at least looked worn. Like mm-hmm. they're supposed to be on a campaign marching. They're all right. dirty. And they're all <laughs> these mofos stepped out of a catalog. He is wearing a floor-length sheepskin coat that I'm like, that's like a five thousand dollar coat. It is not dirty at all. And I'm like, this man is a shepherd. He should be all patched up and his yeah. like it's fine. He's wearing a sheepskin coat. He has sheep, but like you couldn't you couldn't make like any of them at it or something right like just like they're wearing like brand new belts and i'm like they've been on the road for two months at this point like you can't just scruff up some 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 yeah. things their nails are all like clean and i'm like what production team made this show i'm like i was mad also yeah, I, I thought me. the cgi was like soups hokey considering that we are in 2022 i'm like Come yeah on, I yeah I do I my biggest worry with it and probably the reason why I've been because I've been waiting because you know the the reviews have been mixed and I'm just like I worry that they rushed it because Amazon was just so eager to tap into the Game of Thrones void that was left. I I agree that was like kind of my but they they were writing the first season for a while and like the things that I didn't like the most about it 
and me and my family had this like huge debate over Christmas and we were like, <laughs> all of us are on the same side of like, this is some bullshit, but like, we were all like, and what about this? And what about this character? They totally fucked this character up. And like, what if they, they skipped this entire part really important later in the books? Like oh, if man. they did, and they added I this. I haven't reread added- the books in at least five years. And I used to reread them every year, but I, I just haven't had time. I haven't reread sure. the books in at least five years. So I, I'm, I am deliberately not, part of me as yeah. soon as the show came up, I'm like, I need, and I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, I need to go reread. Reread these, and I was like, "No, I can't." Yep, I cannot. I should I just, watch. I'm friends. like six books into the reread. My husband bought me all the hardcovers for. He was gonna buy them last year for my birthday, but we were moving, and so he was like, "This is gonna be your next Christmas present because then we'll be in our new house, and I don't want you to have to like cart around sixteen hardcover all these it. hardcover books. They and they're um, heavy. They're heavy. They're so heavy. I still remember my um. My high school boyfriend got me a winter, I think it's called a winter's light. Yeah. A winter's night. Yeah. For, um, I think it was Valentine's Day. I don't know. It was for some holiday and he was so excited because he knew I was going to love it. And he ended up, it ended up being his least favorite gift that he's ever given to me. Cause I, we were like high school as a senior and yeah. he like gives it to me. And I'm like, Oh my God, thank you. This is amazing. And give him a big kiss and then proceed to ignore him for the rest of the day because I'm busy. Of course waiting. you did. Of course you did. <laughs> my husband, my husband is a big gamer. And so he doesn't do this anymore because, you know, I have a Kindle, which he finally convinced me to buy <laughs> uh, right before the pandemic. Cause I had babies and he was like, just buy a Kindle. You're trying to like, breastfeed this baby while you're holding these heavy books yeah, just buy, yeah just buy the it Kindle. is easier on your wrists <laughs> it is easier but he used to be like hey do you want to go to barnes and noble and i'd be like yeah sure we go and then he'd buy me books and they'd be like cool my new game comes out on friday like today so i'm not going to talk to you all weekend and i'd be like great i have five new novels so i don't need to talk to you either. <laughs> I love it. Strategist, that. that's brilliant yeah, so oh I would always God. know when a big game is coming up. I'd be like, "Oh, you got a, okay, you got a game coming up, babe. It's like let's your go game book shop. <laughs> I'm not gonna turn down some free books. Uh, um, I need to put that in. I need to put that in a book. I'm gonna write down that idea. That's please okay. do. Yes, I feel free. That. Yeah, it's it was very cute. He he always is like. And his friends would be like, why are you taking her to the bookstore? And he'd be like, uh, guys, the game comes out this weekend. <laughs> she, won't, <laughs> she won't even care if I'm gaming for 70 hours if I right? buy her some you books. You have today. a LAN party around her. She won't even notice. <laughs> it's so true. Actually, that was like the most distressing thing of my life. It's like he used to play console games, but now he plays only basically exclusively on the computer. And I'm like, console games are fun because he could sit on the couch and I'd read right. next to him. You could kind of watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Occasionally I'd look up and be like, oh, like, I see what, okay, cool. And now I'm like, I don't want to sit next to you in your office while you're clicking away. (laughs) And you have headphones on, so I can't, like, hear. I'm like, that's not fun for me. (laughs) Yeah. Make it fun for me. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, that's true. I miss, I miss that too. I used to sit and, uh, well, now my husband still plays console games sometimes. So I'll like sit next to him and read while, while he's working his way through, um, usually older games, but that's okay. Yes, for sure. Okay. So one thing that we ask all of our, our, not all of our authors, but we do ask authors that is if you could give one or two pieces of advice for a real life happily ever after long relationship what would your real life advice be so one thing that I noticed I did um I got in deep with Becca Syme and Clifton Strengths last year and one of the things is 
that she has you go through, you, you take the Clifton Strengths test, it tells you all your strengths, you go through, and then she asks you, you know, go, we were doing some exercise where she asked me to go through and be like, you know, where do you see your strengths in your books? And I realized that I see my number four communication in every single one of my books, because I think that is one of the most important messages that I can impart to people on how to have the happily ever after. And I, and I, I do realize it's probably because I am high in communication, but I do think that you, with any relationship, there needs to be some level of communication, of talking through things, of, and of being willing to talk through things, even if you're uncomfortable, because how else, like people, what would always bug me the most is when people would say, well, you know, I want, I really want this for my boyfriend. It's like, well, have you told him that? And they're like, no, but like, I really want him to do it. So, well, then you need to, you need to tell him that he's not psychic. Um, And they're like, and, and, and I get this a little bit because there was a time in my life when I was younger that I was like, well, but if I tell him it'll mean less if he does it. And it, it eventually I kind of realized that, you know, like, no, it doesn't mean less if I tell him this is what I want. And then he does it. That means that once he knows what I want, he will do it. Right. And that is more important than making him guess what yeah, I want him to your, do. He can meet your expectations and your desires if you right. tell him like, or her. Yeah. Desire. Like if I tell him what I want and then he doesn't do it, that relationship is over. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Um, and so that, and so it does, it shows up in every single one of my books. When the characters are not communicating, everything is going to shit. And once they start communicating, everything gets better. Um, and, and I found that to be very true in real life too. The more, the more that we talk things out, the better things are. Um, like I, I do feel like I'm living my very own happily ever after. Like we, you know, we're, we're a couple It's a relationship. We have our issues, but one of the things that we've worked the hardest on is communication. And I think that has gotten us through some really, some times that could have been in, you know, if we hadn't communicated, that could have been the end of the relationship. Um, and instead we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary, wedding anniversary last year. We've been together for 16 years now. Um, congratulations. Yeah. So yeah. And he's not, and he is not a big communicator. Um, but it's something that he's been willing to work on and that we have worked on. We have very different communication styles too. And I think that's also an important thing to be able to talk through your communication styles and, figure out a compromise and some common ground. And, but again, all of that comes through communicating. For sure. I a hundred percent agree. I have a very funny anecdote that I will tell you really quick. My little sister, this was maybe five, four or five years ago. So she was like in her like mid twenties had started dating this guy. They'd been dating for like six months or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was their first Valentine's day together. And if she had said, Hey, tell my boyfriend what he should do for Valentine's Day. I would be like, plan a fancy dinner, buy that bitch roses, get her some jewelry. This is not a, this is, she is not someone who you can just be like me. It's like, I don't care. My day, my birthday is the day before Valentine's Day. I consider (laughs) Valentine's Day a chocolate extension of my own birthday. But like, it's not, it's not very important to me. I don't need to go Mm -hmm. out. I don't need to like, I like flowers. You should get me flowers anyways. It's my birthday week. But like, it's not like it's not a big deal for me, but for her, I would have been like, <laughs> so she told him, he was like, what do you want to do? And she told him, she was trying to like play it cool. She was like, oh, oh well, no. like we don't have to do anything, blah, blah, blah. It's made up holiday. <laughs> 
And so he took her at her word. Oh, no. So he didn't do anything. Because she said not to do anything. Because he, like, specifically asked her. And she said not to do anything. So anyway, so then she called me, like, the next day. And she was like, he didn't even get me a card. And I was like, well, what did you tell him to do? And she's like, well, I told him, like, it wasn't a big deal. She's like, but we didn't even, like, go out to dinner. We just, like, had dinner at his house. And then it was, like, not even planned. And, like, or they ended up going out. But I don't know. It was, like, she had some convoluted story. And I was like, look. I said, this is on you. He asked mm-hmm. you a direct question. You lied to him. Yeah. Or maybe or maybe you didn't know yourself and didn't understand that you wanted those things. Right. But now you do but understand now you that know. you want now you know yourself. So now you need to tell him and say, I am upset because I thought I didn't want those things. But it turns out I do. And it turns out holidays are a big deal. And I want you to make a big fucking deal about every single holiday we spend together. I want cars. I want flowers. I want chocolates. I want all these things. And she's like, because she was like, well, maybe I should break up with him if he's not going to like buy me stuff. And I was like, I was like, you like this boy. What's wrong with you? So anyway, so she tells him and he literally was like, I would have done all that stuff for you. You told me you didn't want, you told me you didn't want anything. He's like, I was just trying to do what you told me. And so now he makes like a huge deal out of like all of their holidays together and all of their, you know, birthdays and Valentine's. Yeah, that's a good one. And I, you know, I think it's hard because a lot of the time women are told not to talk about what we want or that we talk too much or that you know like don't put expectations you got to be the chill girl or he the chill girl yeah for sure but but really it's they you know it it all comes down to communicating what you actually want and ignoring society's messages because that's bad communication (laughs) yeah for sure like all Um, I want is books and yeah. A quiet place with no children for a few hours to read. That's all I ask for every now and then. You know what I mean? Like, That's what I have now. I've got my little, I've got my little reading nook. Nice. I just got that as a celebration for my most recent book release before this one. Is this, is this your office? This is my, yeah. I'm in my office. Yeah. Nice. I love it. You guys should just show me this really cute um, and cozy pink chair in the corner yeah. for her reading. Nook. My office is my oasis, my pink oasis. Yes. <laughs> yes. I absolutely. I think it's so funny because, you know, like kids want to like get into everything and mm-hmm. I let them in my office in very low doses. Like yeah. occasionally they are allowed in there with me and that is it. And sometimes they'll like peek their head in and I'm like, don't you go in my office. That's my spot. It's my <laughs> special place. That's kid free. It's not your space. It's my Exactly. Space. Yeah. And my daughter does. She likes to come in and she's decided this is her chair and she draws me pictures while she's waiting for me to finish working. But yeah, we only allow that at the very end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So important to have some separation. Okay. Is there anything that you wish that reviewers would talk to you or ask you about when you are reviewers? I said reviewers, interviewers. That's what I am. I oh. uh, would ask you about, is there something that you want to like gush about or you wish people would ask you about? Oh gosh. Uh, it's a hard one. I don't think so. I, I'm, I, I really enjoy just kind of like the sitting and chatting and seeing what comes up because I, I feel like it's always, I like just the interesting conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I, I I really liked the, you know, for the real life happily ever after question. I liked that question. That was a new one to me, but you know, I feel like a lot of interviewers kind of already know, like they know, you know, if they're, if they're good ones like you, they, Mm -hmm. they know the questions to get the ball rolling. And then, um, and I, you know, I do think that hitting the, 
I, I do like it when they ask me about the the tips for the authors and what and and you know a tip to give authors and just to help because I I like to help. Uh, but yeah, okay, you don't have to have it. Your answer could be yeah. nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, I'm happy to just get together and chit chat. Yeah. Well, this was so fun. If you had one book or series that you feel like would be a great entry point for our listeners to start, what, what kind of, which series would you want them to dip into? So because I do write things so differently, I would say if you are a reader who needs explicit consent, uh, the only historicals you would like, <laughs> I would start with a season for treason. And if that's too much for you, uh, don't read the other ones. Um, and, and stick with my contemporaries. Start with the Sassy Submissive, which is free everywhere. Uh, and then if you do want the historicals and you want the dub con and you're like, yeah, just give me, just go, let's, let's start off with the really problematic stuff. Just head straight for Birching His Bride, which is also free everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> love it well i am very excited thank you so much for sending us the duke's pursuit because we are yeah. going to do a tiktok giveaway for that um when we oh, release man. this episode so everyone uh you can follow us on tiktok romance underscore at a glance and um we will be having a giveaway for that book coming up in a few weeks when this episode comes out or for you guys listening it will be up today or tomorrow so go look right now <laughs> <laughs> awesome thank you so much for having me this is a lot of fun well, thank you for coming on. And dear listeners, until next time, may your books be your lover and your hand your best friend. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.